0: So we have a very special on-call with Dr. Dave. Today, we're not interviewing anybody. We don't have somebody interviewing me for me to tell stories. Uh, We don't have a doctor that I'm interviewing. Today, it's just me and Ashley. And we just wanted to spend a little time introducing you to us. We've had 10 episodes now. So we thought it would be a good time to take a little bit of a break from the stories and just explain who we are and what our medical journey is together.
1: Yeah, it's been... Quite a long we've been married for quite a long time, and we got married about a year before Dave applied, started applying.
0: Yeah, so we we met, and I knew I was heading toward medical school because I knew I was going to be a doctor from a very early age. So I was just doing prerequisites, and there was a weird thing with just college, and I had to finish up, and I had one more year, and that's about the time Ashley and I started dating. And then I had finished up a little bit of school and then still had one one full year.
1: Yeah, you had one full year. And
0: then because we just got married and there's a lot of things going on, I took a gap year after finishing college before going to medical school. But so it was two years basically after we got married before medical school started. But when you met me, I was doing prerequisites. I was gone on Saturday at the homeless shelter getting my hours in for volunteering. I was shadowing doctors in the hospital. So even from the moment you met me, like I was laser focused on this and it was just part of the package with you know, yeah. dating me, marrying me.
1: It was uh you had already taken the MCAT. I actually graduated from college the week I met Dave. So I was buttoning up like exactly. I think I had like a semester of internship, but I was pretty much done. Um but he had already kind of had that path set out for himself. So I knew that was what he was going to do. I did not know exactly what it entailed, though. I mean, what it meant for my life going forward, I guess.
0: Well, and I didn't either. I mean, as much as I knew I wanted to be a doctor, and I knew I was going to go to medical school, and I knew that there was residency and training, but I don't think you or at least I didn't realize how much time and money it took to finish this process, I thought I was going to give myself a gift when I graduated medical school. My graduation present to myself for graduating medical school was going to be a Harley Davidson.
1: Laughable now. <laughs> It's like so laughable.
0: And not working for four years. So you don't work, you don't make money during medical school. So for four years, I didn't work. So not only could I not afford a Harley Davidson, I could barely afford my next meal. <laughs> and toward the end of medical school, I think a lot of people don't realize how much money it takes, one, to go to medical school. So my medical school was about $45,000 a year just for tuition. That didn't cover anything else really. It was just like to get there and then you have to pay for your house. You have to pay for housing. I had a kid halfway through medical school so, it doesn't pay for anything. So, $45,000 just for tuition and then everything on top of that. And then at the end of medical school, you have to get into residency programs. So, you apply. It but but costs but
1: to apply to residency. It,
0: it costs just even to use their system, it costs. Every test you take, you have to pay. So, you do three what we call like, uh, like our board exams. So they call them step one, step two, step three. Step two is broken into two sections. And every test costs you, what, $1,500? I don't even remember. And one of them I had to drive. Like, luckily, I was drivable to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Then every single place I went to interview, you had to either drive there, fly there, pay for a hotel. So not only was I the poorest I'd ever been in my life, not working for four years and spending Mm -hmm. all that money and taking out all the student loan debt, but then at the end, just thousands of dollars to take the tests and just even to try to get into residency. Well
1: then the residency, like you pay to move yourself and our moves were very far. We didn't move close. So they were long haul moves and they were bootstrapped moves and they were done as cheaply as possible. But moving everybody knows that moving is a huge expense and a huge stress on everybody involved. And so and I I did work When we were doing this, but it's not when you also have children at home. It's and you're living in more expensive places, and you live in less expensive places. It's not like it's it's breaking even a lot of the time. So that that number can climb higher than you expected. So that was one of the things going into medical school, the like this medical journey. And then the other is the time, the the time away from. Being engaged with each other, I guess, because it robs you so much of your time.
0: And the first couple of years of medical school are a lot of it's just like regular college, just more intense. So you cover more stuff quickly, but there's a lot of studying. So if it was something I was really good at, sometimes I'd finish studying and I'd have time for you and we could do some fun things. Mm -hmm. But if it was a difficult subject or there's a lot of extra coursework, I would be studying all day, every day until I went to bed. And then third year, you're in the hospital working as if you were a doctor, although you're you're being taught, you do things, but the hours are still pretty long. And so I was gone most of that third year of medical school. So kind of depending, like the first year was okay. I think the second year, there's a lot more work that Mm -hmm. I had to do. The third year, I wasn't around very much except for a couple rotations, maybe that were a little lighter.
1: Yeah, but the, I mean, they were some of them were like a eight to five. It was it was okay. Some of were more intense than others. Like the surgical rotations were more intense than the medical ones during that time. But the fourth year was a little bit easier just because everybody's applying for residencies, and so once you get past that,
0: yeah, they they do semester. give you a little bit of lighter like coursework toward the mm-hmm. end. You've matched into what you're going to do you have your specialty picked out and then there's some lighter rotations that you can do while you're driving or flying across the country to do your interviews for residency
1: yeah we look back on medical school as the good old days <laughs> like that was I saw him more I didn't necessarily maybe couldn't like talk as much because he was engaged you know, he was busy a lot of time but I actually saw him <laughs> saw his person <laughs> more so during medical school then The other times, like training and fellowship and Mm -hmm. residency and fellowship.
0: So the medical journey, especially when you're married or you have a significant other, it's a big commitment for both parties. It's not just, oh, I'll be in medical school and you will be doing this. Like the amount of time I had to help out. Ashley had our first son halfway through our second year of medical school. And that was also, we didn't want to wait. We were already... Um, we're a little bit
1: older, a little so. bit
0: older than the average medical student. So yeah. we were we were ready for a family, but it was still, I'm studying Zach. Our oldest was born right before a test for a cardiology exam. My second year, that was the only test I had to postpone. They were actually, they worked with me. They were,
1: they were nice. they, they're they were really cool. nice. And then yeah. they
0: let me take it a few days later. But then there's this little baby and I'm studying and rocking the baby and I'm getting up in the middle of the night. And you're getting up in the middle of the night. And, and if it was a
1: night for <laughs> a test, he was sleeping in a different part of the house.
0: So I could sleep. So he could <laughs>
1: sleep because he shouldn't, I mean, cause he needed to sleep to be able to take a test. And a lot of the expectations when you go into this, people know what's expected of a med student. They know they're going to be busy, but nobody really, you don't know what you're getting into really. Especially as a, as the supportive, sp- supportive spouse, not only are you kind of need to have be supportive of them, but you need to realize that it was kind of a rude awakening for me a little bit. I had to cultivate my own life, because if I waited around for him to be there all the time, or if I expected him to be there all the time, or had the delusion that he was in charge of his own schedule, I would have been waiting to do anything really. So that would be a piece of advice. If anybody's the spouse of someone going into the healthcare field is that you need to be able to differentiate yourself from your spouse and not take it personal when they can't, they just can't spend time with you.
0: Well, and it was also important and great for us that you had a degree, you had a job, you had skills. Because as a medical student, I couldn't work. There's no opportunity to work. You are a full-time student. And so we're taking out student loans and going into debt there. And so we tried to not go into debt with the rest of our expenses as much as possible. So I'd say the other thing, too, if you are married or dating somebody that's going to go to medical school is, you know, people... You have this picture of what a doctor's life's going to be and the money that a doctor makes... Mm-hmm but that's way off in the future. And so I think if you are in that situation, you probably need to realize for at least those four years of medical school, you will be the sole breadwinner. If not, in not, 15. The, <laughs> in, in the relationship. But even then, residency, you make a set income and mm-hmm. it barely paid for the basics yeah, where we live. still working. And you don't really get to pick where you go do residency. There's a matching program. You get to interview, you get to apply different places, but then a computer algorithm tells you where you're going to be. And if you're making a certain amount of money and you're living in New York City, that's not going to go very far. If you're living in Augusta, Georgia, where we did residency, it went further. So that was nice. But then fellowship, we made the same amount of money and we were living in Baltimore and our cost of living was almost twice as much in Baltimore. So during my fellowship, you know, that was that was difficult because we wanted to live in a safe part of town close to where I worked because I didn't want to miss out on time with family as much as possible. So we chose to live as close as we could to the hospital.
1: Good schools for our kids. A good
0: school for the kids. But because of that, we were in the red for two years straight.
1: Yeah, it it was one of those situations where work was... I was able to work from home kind of before everybody else was able to work from home, which was a huge, huge blessing But work in and of itself, I think, can provide a community for a spouse that has got another spouse just doing things, you know, at the hospital all the time. So work for me was an outlet to speak to other adults, especially when you're also at home taking care of kids, but also some other places that provided community for me were one was the YMCA. Like I went to the YMCA starting in Richmond, because the best thing about that place is that they let you join on a sliding scale, depending on how much you made. And so I think it was like 12 bucks a month or something for me to go for an hour or two every day and have my kid watched could work out. I did it in Georgia too. I met buddies there. That was a great place to go and for just to have some self care and also like, church playdates like any any kind of community that you can join PTAs you know dad's groups whatever you can join to have some more interaction with adults in general <laughs> it will be beneficial i think if you can if you can swing it
0: and then as far as being a medical student resident fellow it's very difficult to set time aside for the things that you still like to do for yourself because the hours are long and you're working and then you have your family commitments and you know you're shortchanging them with how much you work. But you still need to find some time to carve out for yourself, for your own what, like uh, emotional well-being. You still have to keep a friend group. You still have to do things. I found it useful to join intramural sports. Uh, It was a way to combine some social things with some athletics that was two things to help me cope with just the stress and anxiety of working. So I played some intramural football during medical school. I did a lot of rock climbing during medical school with some friends. Then residency, I think I I played a lot of uh, flag football.
1: Indoor soccer. I I um, guess in Baltimore, you did a little bit of indoor soccer.
0: Baltimore, indoor soccer. I think maybe during residency, I did some... Indoor, or some intramural soccer too, mm-hmm. but I, I did play a lot of flag football. Mm-hmm. And then my fellowship, my fellowship mentor, he liked to do a lot of athletic things too. So we, between the two of us carved out time to mountain bike and road cycle together. And then we always made sure we had time for the gym. So keeping some portions of your life that you, you do have to pare things down because your schedule really isn't your own. But if you just let everything go to your medical career, you can definitely find yourself depressed and anxious because it is difficult and time-consuming and you're dealing with things that are very emotionally taxing. And I wish looking back that I had actually spent more time with friends, talking to people, even sharing what was going on in my life more with my wife and with friends. You, you don't want to feel like you're a burden and But I I think some of that builds up, which we've discovered doing this podcast. When I Mm -hmm. talk to my friends and colleagues in medicine, it feels lighter. We feel happier afterwards. So when we share some of the stories that are a little more difficult or even the funny ones, but when we talk, it just feels better. And we kind of rekindle that love for medicine. And I think if I'd done that more throughout my training, I could have been more present with my patients. Uh, I would have been... More emotionally able to cope with some of the difficult days that I had.
1: Uh, Yeah, and sometimes the coping mechanisms that come out in your partner, you kind of you kind of don't see coming. So sometimes if if you've got somebody that's really sensitive, maybe they'll just shut off their emotions, or maybe you'll hear them talk in a way that you think is like insensitive towards other people. But really, I can I can try to wrap my brain around the weight. Of, and the stress of what it's really like to be saving lives all every day. But I don't carry it. They carry that. So because if they don't get something right, something goes very wrong for someone else. So allowing not only that self-care and that de-stressing, but understanding that they're coping with new situations and new pressures that you can't possibly prepare for. So I think... Taught, like talking about these stories, some people may see it as insensitive, but honestly, if I had to take my job as seriously or have that kind of weight in my job every day and not be allowed to have that levity, I mean, I'd go nuts. I'd go insane. If I had to take my parenting <clears throat> even so seriously every day yeah. that I couldn't laugh at every anything, it would be very, very hard and taxing, and you would just get really burnt out.
0: Yeah. And some of the stories that we've shared these patients have laughed with me as well in these situations. So I think the, the situations where we've like chuckled or laughed. In, in, this, in those situations, those patients were able to chuckle and laugh with me as well because that's one of the coping mechanisms they use as well because they're going through something really hard. So on the last episode, we shared a story of a guy losing his toe. And it's gross and it's horrific. And I was kind of grossed out. and The patient was grossed out. But he's in the hospital for the next three, four days. And we talked multiple times. And by the end of that week, we were both laughing about the situation, not because it's great to lose a toe, but what else are you going to do? Are you going to cry about it? I mean, you could. And he probably spent a moment of grief and kind of went through that. But at the end of our experience together... We had both just said that was the weirdest thing and he thought it was weird and i thought it was weird and we kind of laughed about it moved on <laughs> how did we care <laughs> <laughs> and so a, a lot of the other you know, patients that we talk about they laugh about it at the end of the day too these situations are very strange for us and them i remember that first episode with dr craig where he mm-hmm. talked about the guy falling through the ceiling i mean if you just hear that the dude fell through the ceiling was dressed up as a clown you could be very concerned about his mental well-being you could be very concerned about things but he laughed. He gave Dr. Craig a hug. And Dr. Craig's allowed to laugh about that situation mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, I think, too, my brother and I, and I shared on another episode, just people in prison. My heart goes out to people in prison. I, If you talk to me in my personal life about my thoughts on the prison system and prison reform, I am very much in favor of prison reform and treating these guys better and getting them out and back into the world. And so I, you know, like... I'm a little, (laughs) a little close to tears right now because I, not only, these aren't just stories to me, these are people I know. And so I'm telling these stories. I can picture that person in my head. I see them in front of me and I have a real connection with these people. So you know, the fact that we can laugh about it's really important. Ashley and I, we, you know, starting our family was difficult. We had multiple miscarriages and there's nothing funny about that, but yet we can look back at those times and we can laugh now because we you know see things in a different light, or we have we're on the other side of things. So I don't want any of our stories ever to make people think that there's any judgment or anything to our patients where there's anything but love for our patients. And yet the situation can be difficult, or or the situation could be humorous. So yeah. when I talk about somebody that got in a drunk bar fight, I'm not judging them for being in a drunk bar fight. I may say maybe it's not a good idea to you know, drink and get in a fight. Or if there's a drunk driving, I take care of people that have been in drunk driving episodes. At no point do I think drunk driving is okay or that they should have been out on the roads or should have been in that situation. But I'm also, I'm not judging them. And if I tell that story, And it's not to judge them or anybody else that finds themselves in that situation. It's to share the story. And some of these are cautionary tales too. Some of them like wear your safety glasses. Don't be the last person in the bar. (laughs) Yeah. Make good choices. And you know, like not every choice is easy.
1: Yeah. Well, I just, I think that sometimes when you're further away, I know in my personal life and probably most people, when you're further away from, the traumatic events in your life, you can speak to them in a way that isn't as triggering, but I don't want anybody to think that, that the seriousness of medical conditions or caring for people is, is lost on you or guests. It's uh, the weight and the, the um, consequences of these kind of things are known better to them than anyone else. And so sometimes it's just, nice to be able to share these things with people as cautionary tales, as this is a position I ended, you know, landed myself in. I, yeah, I just, I don't think there are a lot of people who understand the gravity of what we're talking about. And because the people that you're speaking to do understand the gravity of it, you can laugh together sometimes.
0: And that's the thing too, like laughing with, instead of laughing at these situations sometimes are a little gross or sometimes a little sad, but there's, there's still humor and just the human experience. And I think it's okay to laugh with me to laugh with my patients. Um, Even in the situations where you're like, Oh my gosh, that doesn't seem like something maybe they should laugh at. Mm -hmm. Just know that we were there with the person. We know the person we spoke with them. And, you know, if we're choosing to share this story, it's, it's because either there was a good outcome or we love that person or there's some value in sharing that story. So it's a, it's okay to listen along and just, you know, not every story has to resonate with you. Or if it's, you know, maybe if you lost your your you know, your mom mm-hmm. to diabetic like complications and we share a story about diabetes, maybe that's just not a good one to listen to, knowing your own triggers or what what might upset you. Mm-hmm. But it's never our intent to upset The whole purpose of this is to share these stories and these moments of humanity with with you and to also share them with each other. So these people, the doctors and nurses and physician assistants that I've talked to, it's been beneficial, I believe, for them to share these stories. Mm -hmm. And the whole process, even the reason we're having this little episode right here isn't exactly for this, but just to let you know that there are real people on the other end here. That it took a lot of effort on my side and Ashley's side to get this far and to know this much to be able to help people. And the whole reason we're taking this extra time to share these stories is I do think there's value in people understanding what it's like. So we even wanted to have this episode to say, it's hard. It was hard for me and it was hard for Ashley mm-hmm. to get to this level. It's hard to get here. It's and still it's hard. It's, yeah, honestly. it's 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 a slog. It's difficult. Some days are really hard. some days, even in my career right now, I, I, you know, I'm the surgeon at the end of the day that if somebody loses an eye, I'm the one that has to do the final surgery. I give people cancer diagnoses i mm-hmm. i I have to sit with them in some of the hardest moments of their life when they realize life has now just changed dramatically for them. so it's it's still difficult so that I think that's the point not that you should feel bad for me just just to know that we're all people trying to do our very best and
1: that's what the message
0: I want to come across
1: and also if you were in a scenario that was life-changing in the hospital you would also want somebody who went through this kind of a slog you would want a person who studied for this long to do what they do to help save Mm. your life and it's it it's quite the journey, but I know that if I took the attitude of, you know what, I'm grateful that we're able and I took this with my kids too. I'm grateful that we're able to share our dad and husband with someone who is in a situation where their life is forever changed. And it helps with maybe realizing that their time is not if if he had the choice, he would be home with us. He wouldn't be Operating on someone who had, who needs to take their eye out or, or someone who's, you know, again, has cancer by their brain and he's the one to take it out. So the sacrifice that the family makes is all it's worth it. It really is worth it and not necessarily monetarily, but it's worth it because you value and the people who work in healthcare value other people.
0: And honestly, I, I don't know very many people in medicine that went into it for the money. No. I, <laughs> there
1: are much easier ways to get money than this.
0: So it, you know, <laughs> it took me 15 years of training before I was making what people considered doctor money. Up until then, it was most careers. I could have been making a lot more out of college. And then the student loans build up. My student loans uh, increased by like 30%, 30% just, yeah. just throughout my training before I could even get enough to start paying them down. So we really go into it because we care. My My fellowship mentor one time just said, I can't imagine that some people just wake up every day and go to work when they don't know they're having a strong impact in people's lives. He said, I don't know how I could work like that. So even with the long hours and the struggle it is to be a doctor, He still 25 years into his career was grateful that every day he knew he was taking care of people in a meaningful way. And Mm -hmm. I try to still keep that mentality that even with some of the long hours, I, every day I know that I positively impacted somebody's life and usually it's multiple people or almost everybody I see every day, Mm -hmm. they get some benefit out of what I do. And that's, that means a lot, and that's the reason we go into medicine to begin with.
1: And, and it's usually the reason why you married somebody that's going into <laughs> medicine is that that drive to help is so endearing, and it and even though it might cost you time with them, it's a gift to other people.
0: So when I was starting my medical school journey or pre med, I, I met a lot of doctors. A lot of doctors that cautioned me not to be a surgeon or a doctor or to pick a different career. Or to look for something else because of the difficulty. And some doctors now, with it gets every every year, it's harder. Mm -hmm. Medicare cuts our reimbursement. People want to pay less for things. Um, The hours get longer. Administrative duties, what we have to log in our our medical records, the burnout rate, and it's all the it's the administration, it's the people, it's the the prior authorizations, the insurance battles. There's a lot of negative things that come with the career. And yet, I, if I met somebody that wanted to be a doctor, I would say there's so much good and so much satisfaction and just joy knowing that you're helping people that, yes, you'll have to put up with all of that stuff. But if you find that it's your calling to be a doctor, a nurse, a physician assistant, a nurse practitioner... If you know that you want to help people and this is the way you want to do it, then then go for it. I just, I think people need to know there are going to be struggles financially and with time and you're going to find coping mechanisms and you need to hopefully, you know, find a therapist early and go often. (laughs) But I, I think you need to be aware, but I do really recommend people go into this, into this world, into this life, because if you want a job, that is meaningful. And I I found that more and more of each generation, the younger generation, they're really looking for ways and jobs that are impactful and mean something. There's almost nothing you can do that impacts people more than being in medicine.
1: Yeah. And I would say if you find yourself married to one of these people, let, (laughs) let me know if you need some strategies on how to, how to deal with it. But the, but the biggest thing I could say is to, be okay standing on your own two feet and living a life that's fulfilling and if your spouse is right right by you all the time great but they if they were in charge of their time they would be but most of the time they're not so enjoy your life keep living it they'll come in and out a little bit when they can they'll show up to a party or two with you and uh but there are a lot of great things that come from this because i mean i'm i've benefited immensely from being able to move around and and meet new people i think we know somebody in every state now at least one but i i would recommend it that that if if you did feel called to this work i don't know if you would be satisfied with anything else i think you're just kicking a can <laughs> down the road
0: yeah and like you said we'll make it to the occasional party And Mm -hmm. I might get paged out of the party to go take care of something. You will
1: take two cars, to Thanksgivings and Christmases and anywhere else you're going, just in case.
0: Yeah, it takes a little bit more planning and Mm -hmm. it just it just knows that some you just have to know that sometimes life and your plans aren't going to work out the way you wanted them to. But at the end of the day, the reason I'm getting called into the hospital is because somebody else's life didn't go the way they wanted it to. Right. They weren't planning to go to the emergency room. They weren't planning to get hit by that tree. They weren't planning to get that sick. And so even when my plans get changed, (laughs) I'm still lucky to be the healthy one going in to help. Even when
1: my date gets (laughs) thwarted.
0: And we've been on the other side. We've been sick. We've had surgeries. We had our son in the hospital for a summer where there's a lot of fear and being scared. On the other side, being patients and parents of a patient,
1: and we've had a surgeon had his Easter Sunday ruined because <laughs> our son needed surgery. And thank goodness he was willing to do that for us.
0: Yeah. He came in and he didn't make us feel bad for taking him away from his family on Easter. And he gave us a hug and told mm-hmm. us everything was going to be okay. So his compassion, even as a doctor, I, I needed his compassion in that moment as much as I needed his skills as a surgeon. So even when you get called away or like your life's a little difficult, it's still a very lovely spot to be in because you are the one that's capable of helping. And it's, it's nice to be in that position because the person on the other end is unfortunately someone that needs your assistance in that moment. And their life is going a lot, a lot less to plan than yours (laughs) is.
1: This episode should be Dr. Dave and Ashley talk people into becoming doctors. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, try not to, and try not to cry sometimes. <laughs> so a little, you know, like maybe this isn't our traditional version format. and format, and we're still finding our way with this whole thing. But I think it was important for us to say where we've come from and what we think about medicine in the profession and what it's like to be married to somebody in the profession.
1: If you need some advice or whatever, just ask. Yeah. Like if you have a question, you got a question about step one. Or you got a question about, you know, just how do you find a place to live in, in a place you've never been before? I am your gal. I can show you how to do that. So just send us a message.
0: And then next week, we'll go back to our stories. But I hope you found this at least meaningful to listen to, or it gives us a little bit more depth as uh, people that you're going to listen to in the future. So thank you for listening. Thanks for indulging us. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Hi, this is Dr. Dave. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please rate, review, and share this episode so that we can continue to get you more stories in the future.